Hey, I'm Ramel London. I'm a TV radio presenter and host, and I want to welcome you to the Mainstream Podcast. Today, I am so excited to be speaking to an actor who first burst into the industry at the age of eight, taking the West End by stage and storm. Uh, he's skillfully made his way from the stage to our screens, featuring all of the classics from The Lion King, Oliver, Matilda, Bugsy Malone, and then securing prime time slots across the BBC, developing his craft in comedy, drama, and now on Friday night's most beautiful setting to solve the biggest crimes on Death in Paradise, as Officer Marlon Price, please welcome Taj Miles. How are you, Taj? I'm very well, man. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. So excited to speak about your journey right now. But as always, I have to say, Taj, welcome to the mainstream. Thank you for having me. Pleasure <laughs> to be here. Nah, I love it. I love it. So you're back in London, right? Yeah, I've been back since uh, late November. So I've, I've settled in. I've settled okay, in by good. now. Yeah, you're feeling the cold now, innit? <laughs> I felt it as soon as I got it. The moment I, I, I don't know why, I've been doing the show for three years now and I always forget to pack like a puffer jacket when I'm leaving. So when I get home, all I have was a hoodie. Nah, you, felt, yeah, you fumbled the bag. You... Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you're definitely back. Um, born and raised in Hackney as well. Big mm -hmm. up the East Londoners, love to mm -hmm. see it. So let's talk about that journey into acting because it seems like... You've always wanted to do this, but I want to I want to honestly hear from you um, before hitting our screens. You actually went to Anna Fiorentini Theatre and Film School. I, whoever that queen is, I love her name. Um, <laughs> so was this a conscious decision that, OK, cool, I want to be an actor. Mum, where can I go? How did that conversation happen? The conversation actually never happened, funny enough. I've, I've always been I've matured a tiny bit like the smallest bit but I've always been just a really loud energetic kid and when I was younger that's when I was it was at its heights so my mom told me the story many times where I'm just in my nan's house with my granddad my mom's there and I'm just causing a ruckus like I'm just doing all sorts I'm running around the house kicking football laughing whatever and my granddad's like this kid can't go to a regular school because he's gonna get in trouble he's gonna get if his energy isn't going to the right place he's gonna end up doing some foolishness so you have yeah. to do something and she um we haven't actually talked about exactly how she found out, but she used to go to Clapton Girls School and Anna Fiorentini hired a school to run their schools on the weekend. So I don't know exactly how she found that out, but I ended up auditioning for the school um, and getting in. So it, it wasn't, I, would, I say later on, when I started to get used to it, I finally had a conversation and said, this is what I want to do. But at the beginning, it was just starting to keep me out of trouble and somewhere to, <laughs> to channel my energy so it's not on the streets or anywhere else that could end up doing some foolishness as I say I love that because you know what I think that's something that a lot of like parents who are listening to the mainstream or watching the mainstream can actually take into consideration like just because a child is hyper and acting up doesn't mean it's a bad thing you can definitely exactly. focus that energy on something so you are definitely a testament of that big up granddad for noticing love that hey listen he's always been there he's always known he's always known that's so sick. That's so sick. So, okay. So this is a proper like theater and film school. Like they didn't play any games, got an agency, all that kind of stuff. So when you joined there, what was that experience like? Cause you said it was a weekend thing, right? Yeah. It was every, every Saturday mornings. I believe you ever did mornings or afternoons, but I did mornings. Um, I don't know. I was just having fun. I don't think I actually quite understood what I was doing. Even when I booked my first musical theater role, I didn't really understand what I was doing. It, it was to me it was like going to 
youth club every morning okay. um and you, you sing and dance and act or whatever because I wasn't really it's not like I was a singer and my nan said you need to bring him into and do some singing or I was a good dancer I just had a bunch of energy so whatever you asked me to do I was always going to do to 100 no matter what it was so I was just having fun I had a lot of fun I didn't really understand what agency was or what auditions were because when you go to these musical theater auditions it's basically the same thing as what the school does on Saturday. It's like a bunch of kids, you go in, they teach you a song or dance and some lines and you just recite it. So it was basically the same thing. Wow. It's only when I finally booked my first role, Oliver the Musical, um, which was at the um, Theatre Royal Drury Lane, which is the biggest West End stage. Definitely. It's only, I think, then I realised like, oh, right, this, this isn't Saturdays. This is, this is something a bit different than just doing it on a Saturday in a local studio. This is the biggest West End stage and i got to do it like three times a week as the smallest kid on the stage. But even then, it, it was still fun. I didn't really take it too seriously. I don't think I actually knew completely what I was doing. Wow, that's so interesting because, you know, listening to it, it sounds like that's the, you know, in, in the industry, there's kind of that, oh, obviously, child star goes to the theatre school and then mm. climbs the ladder. That, but you were just literally enjoying yourself. I was just, I was just taking it as one step at a time. I only found out when I got to about 13, 14, I started to be, okay, cool. This one I want to do as a career. Right. But back then, I, it was between acting and football. Actually, I almost stopped acting to play football when oh, I was about wow. 14 years old. Because I didn't, I didn't really take it as a career. I wanted to be a footballer really and truly. I wanted to play for my United or whatever. And yeah. I managed to get a trial for Tottenham. But then my mom said, you can't because you are on your contracted to Disney right now because I was in the thinking. That's when I started to understand, oh, this is a bit different. <laughs> I'm actually employed by these people. It's a bit different. I can't, I can't just drop things where... I've signed a contract, a legal binding contract. If I don't stick to it, it's going to be a problem. That's when I started to understand, okay, this ain't no little, a little man saying, like, this is a serious job that yeah. I'm doing. I've got to take it seriously. This is it. This is what I'm saying. People don't understand that you was working. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously not to make it like child labor, but like there's contracts in place. If you're not Listen. here, you're going to breach it. And mm. we, we might take you to court. Literally, <laughs> that's how it goes. You better have a good reason for not turning up, boy. Wow. Not one of them. Wow, yeah, they weren't rating it. They weren't rating it. No, 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 no. I wasn't even that good to even try and take that stuff anyway. It's like, so like I was the next sucker. I was, nah, it wasn't going to happen. I commend you for your honesty. I like that. Yeah, come I like on, that. I have to be honest. I have to be honest. <laughs> well, obviously, um, booked and busy. Like, you didn't play games. And this is all around the age of what? Like, I'm talking... You probably booked and busy by the age of 10, right? Like... Yeah, so I, I did Oliver, I believe, seven, eight years old. And then from then to about 12, 13, it, it, was, it was back to back where it was musical theatre shows or short films or whatnot. But it was, it was non-stop at one point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've seen the list, like Bugsy Malone, um, Matilda, the, the Royal Shakespeare Company, like, that's not a joke. Like, obviously, like you said, Lion King. I feel mm. like so many kids aspire to be in Lion King. So I've got a bit of a, like, two-part question. One, was you gassed? <laughs> and two, how do you even balance all of these big shows, like, with life, with school, with socialising? Because, like I said, you were working. Mm. Uh, to answer the first part, Lion King, I was, that's, I remember that audition, it was, I had to go to school for Sylvia Young, um, and by now I'm kind of used to doing the audition process, right? and just seeing all the kids and how ever, all the parents as well were so excited for their kids to be auditioning for the Lion King, Yeah. me being me, I was like, okay, well I have to get it now, the fact that everyone else wants to get it, I have to get it, I, I just, I really want to get this part, and obviously I watched the movie as well, which I was a massive fan of, yeah. so when I finally booked it, 
Um, and even by the way, before that, before you even put the part, there's a six month training process called Cub School. Where you go to, you go to, you go to school young every, I believe it was a Friday after school. Um, and they teach you the show essentially. That's why when it comes to rehearsals, there's only like a week and a half of rehearsals. It's just tech rehearsals because we've, we've already learned the whole show no, in Cub School for six months. Didn't know that. That's, exactly. So that's really, it's really a six month audition process where you learn every single thing. And then they kind of chop the numbers down bit by bit by bit until the group becomes smaller. And then they offer, depending on how many they need. When I was there, they already had um, two kids staying on. So they only needed three boys and three girls out wow. of our slot. Um, but yeah, I, 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 was, I was gassed. I was really gassed. Um, when it came to school now, it was funny. When I did Oliver and Lion King, I was in primary school still. I remember I had to leave. I did a year of Lion King. I went into another six months, but I had to leave because I was starting secondary school. Right. Um, and it was going to be too much. So in primary school, it was fairly simple. It wasn't It wasn't that hard. Like I, I could catch up with work. I could, yeah. I'll be at school pretty much all the time. I have to leave early every now and again. Um, but it wasn't that hectic. It's when I started secondary school now. And I was in... I did about a week's worth of performances in Lion King secondary school. And I did Matilda and Million Detectives and Bugsy Malone from year yeah. seven to year nine. And that was, I got a big up my that, that school Paddington Academy because they really, really, really supported me because that was hectic. It would be literally going to school up until about 12 o'clock. Then I'm going to wow. leave to go to rehearsals almost every single day. And it gets to a point where it's like, I'm about to look at the numbers. And she was like, am I even legally doing the required amount of school? I was like, is this legal? <laughs> no, but you're obviously, they, everyone knows what they're doing, so they make sure that no court cases can be thrown at us. Yeah. That's a different story. Um, but yeah, when I got to secondary school, it, it was a lot. I didn't, um, like, I'm not seeing everyone all the time, so yeah. everyone's got their friendship groups, and I'm kind of, like, slipping into one here, one here, one here, because I kind of knew everybody, but I don't have my core group of friends. I'm not seeing everybody enough to even form those kind of groups. Um, but I was kind of known as the kid in school. Was that's the kid that's that's never here because he's he's performing oh. or or something. I was yeah, I was known as the kid that's performing on stage and he's barely here. But when you see him, just know he's cool and just say hello. Yeah. I mean, because I was thinking, like, did people ever feel like, oh, he thinks he's nice because he's on the fear and da, 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 like, because sometimes kids can just see it as an opportunity to hate on you, basically. Like, did mm. you feel that, or, or was everyone supportive in general? Everyone was supportive. I think it's because if I was active, because me personally, I don't like it. It's mad based on my profession, but I don't like attention. I hate, apart from when it matters, like if I'm on stage and I'm on screen, obviously watch me do my thing. Yeah. But when I'm just in school, I don't want to be in the spotlight. I want to fit in with everybody else. So when I'm in right. school and I've, I want to perform in front of thousands of people the night before, I'm not walking in going, oh, you know, guess what I did? I'm mm. going like, oh, you know, what did you do yesterday? Did you see the match the other day? Like, just trying to be regular. So I think because of that, it wasn't a case where everyone's looking at me sideways, like, oh, he thinks he's he big shot, da 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 Because I, I barely actually even spoke about it in school, unless someone asked me to. If you yeah. ask me to speak about it, then I'll be happy to have a conversation. But if not, I kept my lips sealed because it didn't really matter in school. Fair enough, fair enough. I respect that. And yeah, I think that's the most important thing to still live your life as well exactly. as being, you know, an actor, because it's not easy. It's not easy balancing yeah. it. Um, but then you went to Brit school. Now that is, mm. I've heard a lot about Brit school. Like <laughs> my cousin went there. I know loads of people that went there. And obviously there's so many stars from Tom Holland to Bashi mm. to um, Purcell Ascot, who's a, a friend of the mainstream, Javan Wade, even the singers, Adele, Jesse J, the list goes on. You've probably heard it all before. <laughs> How important 
did it feel to like go to uh, a college that was based around performing arts? Like, do you feel like that was a, I need to to level up. I need to go to this school. Cause obviously you've gone from, like you said, mainstream school to yeah. now a very specific performing arts college. For you, was that a necessity? Yeah, it was a must. It was a must. When I was, when, <laughs> it's that simple. It was, it was, it was essential. Um, because when I did all the other musical theater shows, um, Sylvie Young was like the main, was like the eighth school, like Sylvie Young, Natalia Conti, there was always kids from those schools. And yeah. I was always jealous of those kids because they got to do singing, dancing and acting and then academics almost half and half. Mm. Where compared to me, where I couldn't even train on my, on my Saturday school because I was performing. Like yeah. I, kind of, I couldn't yeah. do it. So I literally was a straight academics, no training. So um, I was always looking at Brit School from like year seven, year eight, I was always watching it. And then you can only apply in year 10. So as soon as that period came, I replied with a quickness. Oh, so you went from year 10? Yeah, 10, yeah. I went as early as possible. I didn't want to stand. You weren't playing. I went as early as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to spend any more time in academic school. I guess. During the moment I could get there, I left. I said, I'm going. I'm going. Um, and it was great. It was, it was everything I thought it was going to be where people around you have the same interests as you and are doing the same thing as you. And not only can you talk about I mean, like in Palatine Academy, I could have conversations about, I don't know, performing arts and all that kind of stuff, but it wouldn't last long. It lasts like two minutes and then people would be like, hey, we don't care. But in yeah. Brit school, literally sat in the canteen, just talking nonstop about, I don't know, acting, what do you prefer between TV, theatre and filming and, and whatnot, without forcing it, because we all yeah. have a passion and a love for what we do. So that was the main reason why I wanted to go. And yeah, I benefited highly from it. All my close, close, close friends now were all people that I met from Brit school. So yeah, I don't have no regrets going there whatsoever. That's so sick, man. No, I'm glad you made that decision because it sounded like it was a breath of fresh air to be in that environment. 100%. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, obviously, we know you were killing it at the theatre. I mean, West End is a huge achievement in itself, and especially at such a young age. But um, you mentioned it, the vision. You knew you wanted more. Did you always want to move to TV and film and all that kind of stuff? Or or was you happy at theatre, in the theatre? I, I, I was happy. I think because it got to a point where, because being completely honest, I could never really sing or dance. I kind of winged it. I, acting... I was actually thinking like, so wait, hold on. Can you sing? No, 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 no. But then I could never really sing it. Like acting was the one thing I could do was because I was just really cheeky and I love it's gonna sound terrible. I love lying as a kid and seeing how far I could call the lies, which is essentially acting, playing yeah. characters and doing something that's not completely you. When it came to the singing and dancing, I, I don't I, to this day I don't know how I actually managed to get got where I got to with my ability to sing and dance, you know. I've i only I swear down, I when I deep it, I'm like, Matilda had loads of singing and dancing. How the hell did I get in natural? Because by that time I definitely couldn't sing and dance. Um so as I got older, when I got to into my teens. And you know your voice starts to drop. You get older. Oh god, it's like, yeah. Right, cool. Is that like now? Even if I tried to sing, I can't sing. I just can't. Yeah. So musical theatre is out of the window now. Um, then I started to look at theatre and just anything that was strictly acting. Once mm. I realized I can't sing and dance anymore, I still really loved acting. And that's when I was like, okay, cool. Theatre seems cool, but one of my favorite films growing up was High School Musical, which I love because they were basically yeah. doing what I was doing, singing and dancing, but on screen. So my, my goal was to always be on Disney Channel. So when I got older, theater started to go in the back of my head and I was like, I need to be on Disney Channel. I need to be on, I need to be on TV. But that was very 
I say when I got into my teens, that's when I really like put my foot down and said, I want to be on TV. Right. That's amazing. And yeah, that's so impressive that you had that vision and goals from such a young age as well, because hmm. not everyone knows what they want to do at that age. So that's true. Yeah. That says a lot. Um, I do know, though, because I was a bit of a theatre kid myself. Um, <laughs> I do know that sometimes it can feel like moving from theatre, uh, especially the stage to TV. It's not always e easy. People get a tough rap. They say, like, you know, theatre, especially musical theatre, theatre is so different to, like, you know, mm -hmm. acting and being on screen. Um, so for anyone that maybe is trying to make that transition, how would you say is the best way to go about it? The best thing I, I would say, and it's probably like, it's probably like, it would describe it as like film and TV 101, is like the camera is a, it's a microscope. So when we're doing things on stage, they tell you, you know, they always say to you perform to the very top. So you, you, you can, everyone can see your eyes. So obviously you're gonna do things bigger, but TV and film, the lens is a microscope. So even the smallest, smallest little micro expressions on a massive screen are gonna look huge. True. So, if you're auditioning, if you just came off a, I don't know, a long musical theatre run and a theatre run or whatever, and you used to doing things big, when you get that film or TV tape, just know to, whatever you're doing, just bring it down by like 50%. Yeah. Even more than that, to be fair, depends on what character you're playing, but just, just bring it down, just bring it down. Because on the screen, all that big <laughs> stuff, it looks like you're, you're, you're doing <laughs> So you just got to bring it down, just got to bring it down a bit and keep everything here. This is yeah. where all your, all, your, all your expressions are. Your body, based on the shot, it might be useful, but really and truly, everyone's looking here. Yeah. Everyone's looking here. So bring everything from your toes or shoulders, whatever that you'd have on stage, and bring it all into here. It's not art, it's not easy. It is really yeah, hard, course. but it takes some getting used to it, it just takes practice, but eventually you'll get there. No, I, I totally agree because I remember being in theatre and they're like, even if you're at the back, do the big, oh, big you know size. I mean? and exactly. Do that on <laughs> screen and see how mad that looks. Do a massive size and see how see how mad you look. Literally, it's so true. I love that. Well, you definitely made a major move to TV. And um, this was such a cool project. CBBC's Class Dismissed. It looked like yeah. so much fun. You was called Taj, which I love. <laughs> and it was filmed in a mockumentary style, which is very corrupt FM. I love that. Um, so what mm. was the experience like being on that show? That was sick. That was my first, um, I call it my first proper TV gig. I've, I've done short films and stuff before then, but that was my first time on a TV show. And I'd go, grown up watching CBBC, so yeah. I was gassed. Even getting the audition, because I'd auditioned for countless other CBBC shows beforehand. And when I got this one, I don't know, I was like, nah, man, I have to get this. I've done, this is like my fifth time trying for CBBC. Wow. I have to get this, I have to get it. Um, And it, it was sick. It was, you know, six weeks in Manchester during the summer holidays. Um, How the work was, it was four main character kids. Uh, me and Billy were from, I was from London, he was from Essex, and Charlie and Chanel were from Manchester. So me and Billy would travel up, stay there. What we do, we travel Sunday evening, obviously film Monday to Friday, Friday evening, go back home for the weekend yeah. and travel back up on Sunday evening. So it was that for about yeah. six weeks. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, my character was called Taj. To this day, I don't know why they made that decision. We never really asked, honestly. Are you serious? Kind of, I don't know why. We could just went with it. It was only because it was only me and Billy, because um, Charlie and Chanel, the characters were Emily and Jasmine. And I don't know, I don't think we ever asked. We just kind of went with it. But it was sick. I loved it. <laughs> I mean, that's the I easiest think, character to play. You know like. what I mean? <laughs> I loved it. I can kind of compare it, because, like, Will Smith is my hero. So I compared yeah. it to him 
when Fresh Prince is currently Defo. in his will. So I was like, this is my Will Smith moment. So I, I, I took it. I didn't even ask question before they changed their mind. Uh, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I like that. You know I like I mean? that. But it was, it, was, it was sick. It was, it was sick. First time being on, on TV, on a network that I watched as a kid. Um, yeah, I was living the dream, basically. It was, it was sick. Oh, that's so sick, man. And from there, did you feel like your TV career was like literally going to kick off? Or did you know you still have to like establish yourself as an actor, like from CBBC? Yeah, so I did I did that show for three seasons. I finished when I was 16. Mm. Um, so when I hit 16, that's kind of when you basically become an adult in the acting world. Like you don't have no wow. licensing, all that kind of stuff. You become an adult when you're 16. Um, pay goes up a tiny bit when you hit 16 too, because you're, you're an adult as well. Fair. Um, so it was at that point, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm an adult now. The opportunities aren't going to be as much as, as when you were a kid. When you're a kid, there's all types of things you can do when it comes to TV, film and theatre. But when you're an adult, mm. it's just it's competition now. You're, you're competing. Like, for example, I might audition um, to play a 15-year-old mm. at the age of 19. So it doesn't matter how old you are, everyone is auditioning for your one part, even though you might be the right age for it. So that's so I ran then, I was like, okay, cool. This is when the real work really starts. This is when I really have to make sure I'm training properly. Like I can't just walk into an auditioning base of what I know from what I trained when I was seven years old. It's not going to work. It's yeah. just, it's changed, change. I've grown up. So that's when I said, okay, I need to train. I need to take things seriously. I need to um, also be patient. I need to be patient because yeah. I'm used to booking roles back to back when it comes to musical theater every single year doing something. I'm like, listen, it's not gonna happen. It's not if if it does, I'll take it. But realistically, <laughs> it's not gonna work that way anymore. So I had to really sit myself down and be like, listen, if I don't get a role for the next year and a half, I understand that's a part of the game. And don't start to look at myself and think it's my problem. It's not. That's just how the game goes. Yeah. What did you do to train at that point then? Because obviously you're out of was you out of Brits at that time? I was so this I just started. So when I did Brits in year 10 and 11, I was doing a film and media course. Because right. I kind of wanted to take a break from acting a little bit. I, I wanted to be in a performing arts environment, but not always be doing acting. Right. I had a, I got a passion for filmmaking, so I did that year 10 and 11. Um, and then I did my final year on Crosses Mist just before we started college. And year right. 12 and 13, I went and did theatre. Because I oh. knew, like, like like I said, I needed the training. So I was like, okay, cool. I need to be acting every single day. I need it if I'm going to yeah. want to keep up with everyone else. So I transitioned into, into theatre for the college term. Um, then I also joined um, Identity, who I'm now signed to. They have a sport side. So I was doing theatre at Brit every single day, then twice a week going to Identity part-time because um, you need it. If, if you want to get to where you want to get to, you have to train. Uh, people might think you booked one role, that means you're sick. You were sick for that role, but the next <laughs> thing you go to, they might not think the same thing. So you gotta keep, you got to keep training. you got to keep training. So that's how I kind of kept up the pace a little bit. That is the realest. And like, and yeah, congrats on, on being a part of Identity because they are definitely leading the way for top talent right now. So yeah, 100%. that's beautiful to see. Um, it's making me think, was it hard to shake that kind of like child actor image? Because, you know, obviously you're known, now known for being on CBBC. You was known for doing musical theatre. You basically was a Disney kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Did you feel like when you was training, you're like, oh, I need to go for like serious roles and I don't want to be pigeonholed as like the CBBC comedy kid. Like how, where mm. was your head at there? That was always the first thought. If I get an audition through and it's like a cheeky, charismatic kid. So I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to 
do some greetiness and I want to swear and stuff like that because obviously you can't swear on CBBC. I'm like, I want to swear. I want to, you know what I'm saying? Do things I can't say it like, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so funny. But it's, it, it took some getting used to because even, even I still get those characters now, but yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's not about everyone has their roles that they play the best and it's not something to be mad at. It's, it's, it's If you're good at that, you're good at it and be glad that you're good at that one thing because some people are still trying to find their little pockets where they can fit into. So if you found yours, um, like I said, I found mine at 16. It's a young age to find it. So I just said, like, you know, if this is what I'm good at, it's gonna, I'm just going to roll with it. But there was a part of me that was like, nah, man, nah, nah, nah. I need to be doing some gritty stuff on, like, HBO, BBC One, where it's all dark and Gotham-type yeah. type stuff. But you can wish for that all you want. Someone has to write it before you can get it. So you can keep looking for those kind of stuff. It hasn't been written yet. You're not going to get the audition. So True. you might as well just keep an open mind. And just wait for things to come. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, just do with what you have. Definitely, definitely. Well, I gotta say, I was very happy to see you uh, in 2020 in Steve McQueen's award-winning BBC drama Small Acts. Now, um, you played Kendrick Manning, which wasn't actually a massive role, but you mm-hmm. said it was one of the best experiences of your life. So why, why, why is that? It was. There's for many, 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 many reasons. When I auditioned for it, um, story behind that was I did a showcase at Identity that the cast and director Gary David came to watch. Um, and then from there, he kind of said, I've got this thing I'm working on. I think you might have a good character for it. Let's have a meeting and we can see what happens. When I found out it was Steve McQueen, I was like, the fact that I'm even getting considered for a Steve McQueen project mm. is, is ridiculous. It, it was mad. So when I booked it off rips, I was like, okay, I'm in a Steve McQueen project. It's already game over. It's cra- it's already it's already <laughs> going to be crazy. When I started to learn about the story and how important it was in 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 everyone's history from my granddad's time to even to mine, I was just I was blessed. I was like, I can't even going to be a part of something that's one directed by Steve McQueen, and two so important. I didn't think I'd even have an opportunity to be involved in something like that. Yeah, um, and it was experience as a whole. I'm working with Letitia Wright, Malachi Kirby, Steve McQueen, Gary Beadle. It, is, it was just madness. It, it, I was 17 at the time, my first job out of college. Um, and I, I just had to take a gap here. I, I didn't want to go to drama oh, school wow. at uni because I thought, because as much as I love Brit, um, at times it was too much acting. I was like, as much as I love acting, it's too much, man. I don't, I don't want to be thinking about acting and doing acting every single day of the week. I kind of want to do other things. So Definitely. I said for a year, I'm just not going to do any training. I'm just going to see what happens from there. And yeah. the first job I got was, was Small Axe. Um, and yeah, I kind of asked for a, a better experience. It, it was it was amazing. Even when it came out, the feedback was was sick. I found out my granddad actually used to go to the mangrove, um, wow. which is the episode I'm in. So I watched it with him in Jamaica, and watching him and seeing his face, I was like, "This this is why I do what I do. I don't do it for me. I do it so my family can watch and, and be proud." And specifically, my granddad, because like we just said, he was literally the reason why yeah. I'm doing this in the first place. So for him to now watch something that he can relate to, it, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It made, oh. made me really happy that I picked to do what I'm doing. That is so beautiful, man. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Because, yes, again, big up granddad, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, so I love that you are on this incredible journey, being able to experience new roles now. Like, that's beautiful. But I do have this feeling in my heart that, it's not easy being a black male actor because even though you said, I want to get gritty, I want to swear, there is a typecast 
that That's there was cool. a long period of us like gang member number five and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And obviously we've seen the success of Top Boy. There can be characters that have depth and the action and all that kind of stuff. But have you specifically been intentional about the types of roles that you don't want to do and that you do want to do? Yeah, very. I always have it. Um, when I first signed on to Identity with my agent, we had like a little one-on-one of, you know, what do you, do you want to do? What do you want to be part of and what do you don't? Mm. And I specifically said, um, no, like, gang, drug, your London stories, and no stories about slavery. Because those Ooh. are two, th- those, are, those are two stories I don't think need to be told anymore. I'm, hey. I'm like, why do we keep, even though they're great, I watched Top Boy, Top Boy is great. And we've seen what he's done people like Michael Warden and, and yeah. Jasmine, and they've, they've skyrocketed. So that's brilliant. Um, but it's me personally. I'm like, I don't, we don't, we don't need to keep making these stories anymore. They've, they've yeah. been made from however long we had already had top boy we had two seasons of it back in the day we've had adulthood kidhood we've had bullet um bulletproof and all the kind of yeah. stuff we've had roots from 1990 whatever we've had 12 years of slave we've had so many of these stories be done well already yeah so i don't understand why you know in big 2022 2023 we're still making these stories and also low-key the same way because how much more can you tell about slavery and how much more can you tell about black kids selling drugs and shooting and travel on the streets there's only so much you can really say there's only so much you can really say so um listen for the people that are in them you know do do your thing because like I said Michael Wood is killing it right now and my main issue I don't want to be put in that box but as we've seen doesn't exist Michael Wood literally just got nominated for a BAFTA today congrats and he started off in Top Boy and Blue Story um two things that are very 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 similar but doesn't matter he's still on the way to Hollywood and is um, I thought going to be in contention for an Oscar. So listen, yeah, do what you want to do. Um, but just for me personally, I, I'm I'm always my main draw to story to playing a part, playing a character is the story. If 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 my character has a great um, involvement in the story, then automatically I'm drawn to it. But it could be a great story, but if it's the typical characters and the typical thing that we've seen over and over again, I'm just like, you know what? Let let someone else take that. It's it's, it's not for me. Which is straight. It's getting better. It's definitely, it's definitely getting better. Oh, and also, yeah. for me, since, since I've told my agent, um, this is not what I want to do. It's not really an issue for me because they, they don't, you know, they don't, they're not disrespectful. And I'm like, oh, send it to him anyway. They, they know I'm very strict. Like I don't do those, those kind of stories, so yeah. they don't send them to me. And if if they do, there's one I got sent. Um, uh, when was it? Quite a while ago now, actually. It was like a it's called Washington Black, which I I think is going to come out sometime this year. Oh. Um, where the the story from what I if if it's wrong I'm wrong but from what I got from the script <laughs> yeah. the story it the, the character's background was slavery but the actual story wasn't about slavery but that's just kind of the character's background so when I first read it I said no 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 no, no. What, what are we doing I said I don't want to do this but when I read it I keep reading it I went okay it, it can pass it, it, it can pass um but yeah those those roles are doing wonders for other mm-hmm. people which is which is great but those aren't the only roles that have to be wanted to other people. There are many roles that can get you BAFTAs and Oscars. It's not just that. If you're a young black actor, you can do whatever to get to those positions. So we don't have to keep looking to those as the gateway. It's not. 100%. I love that, Taj. That's such a great perspective. And um, you've definitely done all right. You've done all the right things <laughs> to put yourself out there. And I'm so loving this show. Uh, you've secured a starring role in BBC's crime drama, Death in Paradise. So... How did this role come about? Like, let's talk about that because this is this is a prime time, baby. <laughs> mm. This this was just the regular, you know, the audition comes through. You audition for it and see how it goes. You get it. You might get it. 
this time I managed to get it. I was, <laughs> I was, I was on a road. How old was I? I was 18. So I'd been out of school for about a couple of years now. And I've been auditioning back to back for a lot of stuff. Yeah. I'd gotten clothes. I obviously booked small apps and I'd, I'd booked a, when I auditioned for it, I was on a sky pilot. So I booked a few things, but there was definitely more things that I didn't get than I, what I did get. So right. when this came through, I was slightly worried of the show um, because an uh, actor called Toby Bakari, who played JP, was teaching me at Identity at the time because he, he signed what? to Identity. He used to go there and he'll teach in my class. So we kind of all knew him as, oh, this is so-and-so from Different Paradise. So when the audition came through, I said to him, I'll guess what I'm auditioning for, but don't do not do nothing. Don't say nothing. Don't give him <laughs> no treatment, nothing. I want to get this on my ones. Just, do, just don't, don't, say, don't even say you know me when we get into yeah. the room. Don't say nothing. Um, so I was aware of it. And yeah, I had, what, two auditions? I had one of the casting director, then two Kimmy Shui's, both with Toby. Um, and then, yeah, I managed to, managed to book the part um, right in the middle of the pandemic. So I didn't get to film for a while, but Jeez. I was looking forward to it. <laughs> Oh, I can I can't even imagine holding on to that secret for so long, especially in the pandemic. There's nothing to even do or talk about, and you're like, oh. that's the only thing I really had to look forward to. And I was like, I can't even tell anybody because it's gonna until like a year's time. I can't say nothing until like about a year. Oh my gosh, that's insane to me. Like, yeah, I'm the worst person for keeping secrets. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, all my future employers, sorry. <laughs> um, but like you said, you you knew about the show and you joined at series 10. Uh, you, mm. You've come into, into like, you know, good, good contact with Toby. Did you feel like you was making a big step into the like mainstream spotlight? And did you feel the pressure of having to like level up, especially joining such a big like existing ensemble? Yeah, and I was terrified. I was so I was I was I was terrified. I was terrified. That was my first my first time booking. Um, apart from Francis Smith, to me this was my first. This was my big break, as we like to say. This was okay. my big break. My first time being on such a popular show. First time having a, a proper character that has an arc from episode one to whatever. Yeah. Um. First time you know hearing about options and all this kind of stuff and and all these kind of contracts. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm never. Yeah, what is that? All them kind of like options, like how many seasons you might be doing from oh. that one to that one. Like the first time ever even hearing about that. First time hearing about shooting in blocks, and which I never even heard of. I didn't know again. What what's that? It, school us. Come so on. <laughs> the blocks is basically so how we do it. We have eight episodes. Um, well now eight episodes and a Christmas special. So blocks is basically. I'm trying to describe it in like a universal way, but I'm just gonna tell you how we do it on our on our show. That's so, right. Yeah. Block block one is the Christmas special, how we just did it last year. So block one will have its own director and its own first AD. Then on to block two will be episode one and two. And that has its own director and its own first AD. So every block has one director and one AD and one first AD. And it's two episodes. So it will change for oh, each wow. block, for example. Yeah. So I didn't know that. Episodes be in the right order or? Sometimes, some, sometimes. So we've had times in the past, I believe it happened on series 10 where we, we shot episodes out of order this year this year was a weird one we did like christmas special one two three four then what did we do six seven then five eight yeah that's it, it was for reasons i can't disclose it was there was a reason for it but it'll be spoiling it so i can't disclose why we did it like that it made Fair. sense but it was it, it was it, it was it was strange it was strange so so yeah sometimes in an ideal world you do it all in order 
But yeah. for some reason, you would have to do it out of order. But the reason will make sense to, to everyone that's on the shoot. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, for me, getting my head around, like, um, the scale of the show and, like, meeting new directors all the time, that must be a lot as well. Yeah, I, I, I was I was terrified. I didn't know what to, I was. Also, like, filming away from home for so yes. long for the first time. I was like, what the hell is going on? But yeah, I'm, I'm good at adapting to a lot of situations. So the fear quickly, because I was there for a while. I only, my character appeared in episode two. So that's like, yeah, that would be like, that's like a halfway point of block one. So block one will start at one time. They'll be yeah. doing that for two weeks for episode one. Then they'll start episode two. Um, but they had me there from start, from the start of block one, even though I wasn't shooting, just so I can oh, climatize wow. it and get used to the environment. So I was on holiday essentially for like three weeks. <laughs> I was, I was chilling so but even then I was in my villa like oh, my day is my first I'm reading my scripts here I need, I need to be good because yeah. the director we had for block one was a director that auditioned me and obviously he's been how many months now because we couldn't start shooting when we wanted to shoot yeah so I'm like, oh, my days what if I jump on set and this guy was like he's not as good as I remember in auditioning why did we cast oh. this kid so I was like I was like on on it on it on it until I got on set and I remember my first day on set was with Toby. Thankfully, it was with Toby because that's, that's, that's the only person that, that, that I knew before yeah. we came on. Um, and it was like my first. No, yeah, my first scene I shot was my first characters scene in the show, which was good because it's a really really fun scene. There's a bit of action, a bit of comedy, a bit of drama. Um, and I remember going home after that first day and set, and just feeling this like sense of relief just leaving wow. my body. I was so tense. I was just I was just scared. I didn't know yeah. what to do. And after that, it was fine. It was like any old job. But that first day, I, I was, yeah, I was on edge. I, I was on edge. I commend you for pushing through it, boy, because that's that's serious. You have to, you have to, you have to. That's it. And of course, like you said, it was a huge lifestyle change, like filming mm. in Guadeloupe. I love that you got to go there. Like, and what, it's now second home, it sounds like. Basically, um, yeah. What, what have you learned whilst working on this show? Like, especially with working abroad like you said new directors all the time new cast what things have you definitely learned about yourself and as an actor in this time a lot you know <laughs> I basically I've, I've grown up while I've been in the show I started when I was 18 and, and now I'm, I'm 21 so those are a good my last years of my teens and my early first years of my 20s yeah. was while I was on this show um and it, it was a lot when I first got there like I'm, I'm used I've been used to doing long runs like I was in Lion King for a year so that's a long time to be on one show yeah I did classes miss for six weeks at a time Manchester so I'm used to doing things that for a decent bulk of my time but I'm at home and I'm with yeah. my family I'm not away from home for six months and it's not even like I can jump on a flight quickly two hours it's an eight hour flight to get to Paris then you have to get to London so I can't it's not as easy as just yeah let me go to London quickly so um first thing I learned was that I'm I'm all right like I'm I can be alone for a long for a long amount of time and not get too I did get homesick but not get yeah, too homesick to the point where it affects my job like, yeah. I, like I said I've, I've done it before so I'm I'm, I'm okay I'm that's one thing I didn't know if I was going to be able to do I'll be so real I was like I don't know if I can even be at home away from home for that long um another thing was because we were filming in Guadeloupe the line between work and social is kind of blurred because our <laughs> locations well, like the beach and stuff yeah. like that, and we, I would leave set and go and jump in my pool or go and jump out and go go to a bar with the rest of the crew and the good, good time and go. You know what I mean? So the line between work <laughs> and social life is kind of blurred. 
And for an 18, 19 year old, that can be kind of dangerous. Okay, but I, I, you know what I mean? So I learned a lot <laughs> about myself that I'm much more mature than I thought I was when, when okay. I first got there. Even my mum was like, listen, don't go there and up to four. You like, don't, don't, don't know foolish this. You're right, you're 18, you can drink now, behave yourself. And I'm like, yeah, of course I am, of course I am. But I said like, oh, when I get out there, it's going to be lit. I'm going to be doing this. When I got there, I was like, you know what? I'm here to work. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my first thing to do is to work. Everything that happens after is extracurricular activities. My main job is work. So yeah. if, I'm, if I want to go out and have a good time and have a drink on a weekend, what I think is clear, is it going to affect what I've got to do on Monday morning? It is really? cool. I'm not going. I'm not, I'm not going. And that's that. I've, I've brought that from series one to we just did series 12. I've had the same mentality of I'm here to work. That's the first thing I have to do. Anything else can't affect my work. Yeah. It can't. It can't. Um, so yeah, that's that's thing that I didn't even think about before I booked a job like this. To me, you know, you can go to work and have a good time on the weekend. But yeah. it's different when you're seeing your colleagues on the weekend and then you're going to work sometimes on Saturdays too, then have a Sunday off, then go to work on Monday. Um, so you have to make sure you have a good balance of, of social and, and work life. So make sure things stay professional and everyone's everyone's happy. You definitely learned a lot. That is such a lot, yeah. A lot. Just growing up on a show, that's that's crazy to me. That's so crazy. Um, but it's interesting you said that, like, you know, you're literally growing up, you started there at 18. Um, and now people are a little bit more in your business, I'm assuming. <laughs> and I saw the most hilarious headline, especially because I know the truth. And mm. it read, Taj Miles' wife is oh, the death Lord. in paradise actor married. <laughs> what on earth? was that about and how did you react to that all this stuff is this is all this stuff is new to me getting recognized on the street people sending me dms like it's i haven't had any bad experiences yet much yeah. i hope i will never everyone i've met and spoken to has been lovely and I've, i'm more than happy to take some time to talk to people so everything is still very new to me yeah. including the news articles on the kind of my mom always says to me do not end up in the sun just just behave yourself when you go out <laughs> Don't end up in on these foolish papers. I'm like, of course, I would never. But I've learned sometimes you don't have a choice. They're gonna write about you regardless. Like for example, do I have a what? Who, the person that wrote that? Why was they even thinking about whether I have a wife or not? What? what why would but you the say? I read the whole article and it was like basically Taj doesn't really talk about his personal life, so we have no idea. And I'm like, so you fast up yourself to write this big old headline, who is your wife, when Same there is no wife. wife. This is say we don't know. And they knew that. They definitely knew that beforehand. But they said, let's write this big, long thing just to say, oh, we don't know. But we're good. And they also said, what the part that made me mad was M were like, oh, but basically they said, we'll be sure to find out. I said, you be sure to find out. Well, chill out. Relax. I'm trying to live my life, man. Don't, don't, you don't stay over there. Literally trying to age you up. Like, this is, I, I did say to, to Taj off, off camera and off mic, his age is not out there, people. So I don't I'm know glad. Why. It's I'm not glad there you... anywhere. Yeah, you've mentioned it on on the on the mainstream podcast. An exclusive Taj Miles is twenty one. <laughs> we we now know. <laughs> but nah, it's crazy. Do you feel like you have to kind of keep keep tabs on how much you put out there now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a very private person in general. I don't post too much on 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 socials, all that kind of stuff. Um, mainly because I think no one cares. Like when I go to post something, I'm like, no one cares. Like who cares about what I had for breakfast this morning? No one yeah. actually cares about that. Just let people go on about their lives without worrying about what you did this morning. I don't think I, I don't think anyone cares about what I'm doing. Um, but especially now, 
it's like well, every single thing I post is okay let's proofread and proofwatch every single thing I'm doing make sure everything's spick and span there's nothing people can pick out and dig out because that's what I learned one thing I've learned people are going to find problems with anything you do True. even if like for example I just did a um a video on my YouTube channel for Christmas where I, I like donated in various ways to charity food banks clothes banks when that's I was amazing. outside of treats on the street um me and my mom had to sit down and watch it and go like okay cool people might say something about that yeah say something about that and I'm like, but I'm giving to charity. Like, yeah. I, I don't, what, what bad can you take from it? Some but that's what we live in, it. no matter what yeah. you do. No matter what you do. Um. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's still new to me. It's, it's still new. All, all the news articles about random stuff that I don't even, again, why do you? Why does anybody care? Why yeah. I don't understand. But that's when I have to, I have to start to figure out. Some people do care now. Some yeah. people, I'm on a show that's been going on for 12 years now. Um, people watch it religiously. True. And when new customers come on, they want to know about their lives. So I have to understand that some people actually genuinely do care. And I have yeah. to take that into it. I'd be responsible as well with what I post. I hear that. Totally hear that. Well, you've mentioned that Death in Paradise, it, it, it's felt like your big break, even though we know you've been grinding. Um, <laughs> but do you have your eyes and your sights set on going Hollywood. I mean, I think it's a big conversation that happens a lot for black Brits. We've seen mm. Daniel Kaluuya, we've seen Idris Elba, John Boyega, all make that big Hollywood move. Um, you know, some come back occasionally, but a lot of them choose to live abroad. Have you considered it? Is it something you want to do or are you are you happy at home? Um 50-50. Um I'm happy at home. I'm I'm definitely happy working i mean i still work in the uk i haven't worked in the uk in three years so i can't really yeah. say i'm happy working. i'm happy working in the uk um but i am i am i am i am happy i'm not like itching to run off to la or wherever i'm i'm, I'm quite happy where i am um but i do understand that if you do want to take your career to another level as a black brit you do kind of have to not have to but that is the the route to take because there's way more unfortunately way more opportunities out there um, for people that look like me it's does it's just it's become a fact at this point yeah. we've seen more people from going back from Idris Elba then on to D- John Boyega then Daniel Kaluuya Damson Idris yes uh, Damson yeah gosh yeah you know what I mean Michael Ward did a, a, a American um, movie as well just after he did Top Boy so it's just proven that it's it's a fact now if you really want to take yourself to the next level as a black British actor you have to you have to go to America at one point you have to kind of test the waters out there because yeah. once you break it break that wall that's it. Once some people see you, who knows what other stories are writing for people that look like you. Here it's getting better, but it's not where it is out there. And it really should be. It really should, but it's not quite how it is out there. So I've been close with a lot of American stuff and, and they come in every now and again. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 50-50. When they come along, I'm, I'm itching to book them. I am definitely like, I need to make sure I book them because it's an American job. But I'm not sat at home going, oh, I need to get some American auditions. I need to need to get some American auditions. Yeah. I just want to get auditions in general. That's the <laughs> that's I one part of we have, sometimes auditions don't come. I just want to get auditions, period. When American ones come, then I'm like, cool, I need to, I need to make sure I'm booking this one. Because once I break out into the States, then the amount of doors that are gonna open are countless. Definitely agree with that. Oh, that's yeah, that's really optimistic. And how is your American accent? Have you got a specific state that you've been working on? You know what, my American accent, my general, when you get auditions, you just say general American, which is always confusing because like you said, there's how many different states and <laughs> literally my, my general American, which is like a mix of six different states, is okay. It's, it's, it's proven to, I've gotten quite far with it so far, so it's okay. Um, My favorite is New York, though, 
No, it's not the best, man. Newcastle, I'm not even going to do it here because it's shocking. <laughs> but I love, I love the Newcastle. I went for the first time as well last summer. Um, and I was walking down the street just listening to people talking. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, it sounds so cool, man. I love this accent. So they sound so sick. I don't know why. I just love it. No, I, I agree. There's like something it. about the, like, they're very, like, they got attitude when they speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's cool. Like, it's got swagger about their accents and they're just talking randomly. Like, the normal, the most mundane sentence yeah. sounds like a, a rap or something, the way, <laughs> the way they say it. It sounds sick. I love it. No, that's sick. That's sick. Don't worry. We're, we're putting it out there. Taj is going to take New York by storm very, very soon. That. Soon come. Soon come. <laughs> love that. Love that. Well, Taj, you've been dropping so many gems already, uh, but it's officially time that we ask you, Taj Miles, what are your top five tips to make it in the mainstream? I am here to help you count through because some people lose track. <laughs> please, please. I'm about to say you're going to have to help me count. Um... <laughs> Tip number one. Tip number one is 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 my main tip that I'll give for anything, but especially when it comes to being an actor or entertainer in general, uh, is be patient. You have to be patient. Um, there is no time limit to these kind of things. You don't have to do certain things by a certain age, and certain things aren't going to come to you at a certain age. They're going to come whenever they want to come, and you just have to trust that when that thing has come to you, it was the right time. Like, I've been acting for almost... Lord, almost 12, 13 years now. Wow. <laughs> my big break came in the 11th year. If you told me that when I was seven, I'd be like, what? Hell no, I'm getting my big break when I'm 12 years old. It's not how it works. You can't yeah. put a time on that. You have to be patient. Um, number two is, is, is trust yourself. Trust your instincts. Um, you're going to meet a lot of new people the more jobs and more places you go to. And a lot of people have a lot of things to say about your career and what they think you should do. Um. It, it might be great advice because they might have met people that it worked for, but everyone is different. So if I got told by someone, oh, by the way, Michael Wood did this to get him a BAFTA, that might be true, but I'm not Michael Wood. I'm Taj Miles. Me and Michael Wood are the same person. We have two different journeys. So you, you got to trust yourself. You're the only person that knows you better than yourself. You're the only person. So you have to trust what you know is what's best for you. Take advice here and there, but at the end of the day, your final decision has to be what you told yourself, not what someone else told you. That's the, that's the best way to, to take things. Um... Number three, something I had to learn very recently. You have to make friends in this industry, man. You, you have to make friends. You have to make friends. The, the black TV film theater pool, it might seem small, but it's really not, you know. Okay. It's really not. You might, might like, I was at one of my friends, shout out to my friend, um, Razak. He's another, he's another actor. He's been in countless other stuff. And he's got a company called Making Numbers. And they had their second anniversary party on the 30th of December. Mm. Um, and it was people there that I'd met, number one, that I knew, and <laughs> people that I had no idea existed. Wow. But when you get to meet them and hear about what they're doing, they're working, and you really should know who they are. So we think that, oh, no, there's only a certain small amount of black British actors doing their thing out there. There's not. There's yeah. not. There's not. There's not. The pool is big. So if there's an event or a party or something, you know, people are going to be there. Just go, just go yeah. and make friends. Don't be, don't act stush and be like, oh, I can't make friends because I'm on a TV, I'm on a BBC show. Go and make friends and go and say hello, man, because you're all on the same journey. We're all doing the same thing. And Definitely. that's, like, at the end of the day, when you talk to them, that's going to be the first bit of similarity you have is you're an actor, I'm an yeah. actor. Let's talk. Um, Beautiful. Or is that free? Yeah, tip number four now. Number four. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lord. There's some, I'm trying to think of what, there's load. None of people, which ones to pinpoint. Um, Oh, I mentioned it already. Um, four. Uh, keep training. Keep oh, training. God, yeah. um, no matter what it is. Um, if you're a singer, 
Um, I mean, I never trained as a singer, so I can't tell you what singers do to train. I mean, but, you kind of did train as a singer. Nah, I, nah, I did, but I wasn't. I didn't like it, so I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I don't know what I didn't. I don't remember what, what it was. Um, but whatever you're doing, keep training. Um, for me, it's as simple as watching movies and watching mm. TV shows and just watching people. Because um, I'm gonna say something, but that's gonna be number five. I'm just gonna be number five. I mean, I'm gonna put that to the side. But yeah, keep keep training and keep doing what you're doing. Um. Now, might it could be the smallest thing, like for example, watching TVs and films. You're training because you're you're downloading information. Definitely. And it doesn't matter. I know huge, huge, huge actors that have been in all types of Netflix and HBOs. Ask them if they're training, they'll tell you yes. Three mm-hmm. times a week, I pay to go to classes. True. And you think, why? You just want an Emmy. So who cares? They want to win another one. You can't win. Yesterday's Emmy isn't today's Emmy. You're not gonna win Ooh. yesterday's Emmy with what you learned from two years ago. You gotta keep up on your game. Because they're competitive. It's, it's competitive. There's always going to be new actors coming up. So if you want to keep booking them roles, you got to keep training. Because my, my man's getting the training that you didn't get, and they're going to get that role that you auditioned for because you didn't get the training that they just got. So, so you, you got to keep training. Don't think you're, you're too big for training. Um, and the fifth one, there what I was going to say about when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to um watching TV, don't be scared to take inspiration from people, and because you're going to feel like you're copying. I've found I've I've started to realize that we're in 2023. There is low key no new ideas anymore. Everything is oh, everything's either a reboot or an, a new inspired idea or something else. So, and I've learned this because I'm I like to write as well. So every time I'm writing, I'm like, this is like power. This is like so and so. I'm like, you know what? That's not it's not wrong with that. Yeah, not wrong with that. they liked it. That. Let's do another. You know what I mean? It happens. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that's new anymore. So when I watch other actors and I go, damn, oh, Adrian did some, he did something mad right there when I seen, you know what? I'm taking it. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm going to take it. You can't think, because oh, did it. I can't do it. How are you going to get to where Damson got to if you're not going to take what he did on screen and, and, and make it your own? So exactly. don't be afraid to take inspiration or people might say you're copying, but everyone's copying at this point. Everyone. <laughs> it's true. Like, you know what I mean? Everyone's doing, I've got a podcast, we've got a podcast. We're not the first people to have podcasts. 100%. Everyone's, you know what I mean? Everyone's and we want to share, share as much as we can in the same way as well. So that's perfect. That's I simple. love that. So just take, don't, it's not copying, you're, you're taking inspiration and don't be afraid to admit it. If someone asks you, where'd you get that from? Don't make up some random BS story that, oh, it came to me in a dream. No, say you watched it in a movie. <laughs> say you watched it in a movie last night and you wrote it right, right down and put your own spin in it. That's more impressive to me. If you can watch something that was really good, and make it seem like it was your own. That's a talent towards something that was already sick, and you put your own spin in it. That's the talent. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do that. Um, yeah, it's fine. You did it. <laughs> I was scared about that. You know, I didn't think I was gonna get to five. Ooh. You did it. You gave us five top banging tips to make it in the mainstream. I absolutely love that. And yeah, you've definitely shared a whole new insight into the industry that. I think a lot of people didn't know because I get I guess it's fair to say that not everyone gets the the child star experience. So well done to you for that. Thank you for sharing yeah. it. And it's been good. Before before we do go, please do tell us about your podcast because I, I think it's incredible what you're doing and it's such an amazing platform that I think should be shared as well here as well. <laughs> um yeah, it's it's called the, the Table Weed Podcast. Um and I, I just sit down with other actors. And create. I'm trying to branch up um, head of actors, hoping to get writers and, and directors and whatnot. Um, but at the moment, it's just talking to 
are raptors and doing what it's not having so much fun right now because i'm usually on your side yeah. asking the questions i'm really having a lot of fun right now being the person that's been in, in the feud <laughs> rather than answering the questions um so yeah i just talked to them about their journey they took they talk about any um up-and-coming projects that they've, they've got coming up um based on how much they can talk about usually it's a bit hush hush but wherever they can stay we, we welcome it and um, yeah it's just a bit i started it um after my first show in death in paradise um because i have my youtube channel and it was meant to be like my production company almost i was going to put short okay. films and which i was at the time so when i got back from um death in paradise i was like cool i just made a nice bit of money i can buy all sorts of equipment i can funnel this stuff but when i got here we was in a, another lockdown right. so i was like okay cool um what can I do from home? Yeah. That's how I went from my ideas list. And the one thing I could do from home was the podcast, doing it, how we're doing it right now on Zoom. Yeah, literally. Um, and it was just a bit of fun. I started as a bit of fun, but the longer I've I've done it, I've grown a passion for it. Where I feel like I, I, I need to, there's some people that I've worked with in the past that are, in my opinion, way too slept on and they're underrated. Definitely. That I feel like I, I have a responsibility to, let's bring this person out on my little I don't have the biggest platform but I have a somewhat of a platform yeah. but it doesn't matter a platform is a platform and this person I feel like doesn't really have the one they should be having yet so yeah. I'm like let me just bring, bring them on let them talk and tell people about who they are um it could be even people that have been on tv before people that have been on Hollywood whatever shows it, it doesn't really matter I, 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 it's a lot of fun just hearing about people people evil stories so yeah that, that kind of takes up my time when I'm not not filming See, this is what we're doing. We're doing it right now, man. You know I mean? We're sharing the journey. And I'm so glad that the table read exists as well, because, yeah, it's a great way to dive deeper into industry tips, hacks, whatever it is. So well done. Like, again, I, I respect you as an actor, but also as a curator of storytelling as well, which is I, vice versa. I like, no, I like I'm not sat on that same platform right now on your, <laughs> on your end, vice versa. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Well, everyone, you can watch Taj Mahal's in series 12 of Death in Paradise Fridays at 9pm on BBC One. Obviously, catch up on the previous series as well on BBC iPlayer. Uh, but Taj, it's been amazing speaking to you. Where can everyone follow you, find you if they're not watching you? Um, so Instagram uh, at Taj Miles, T-A-H-J-M-I-L-E-S. Uh, Twitter, Taj D Miles. Um, Twitter at your own risk because that's usually where I rant about football. So follow me if you want to follow me, but don't get mad when you just see constant football tweets in it. That's what that's for. <laughs> uh, so yeah, those those are where I'm, I'm usually at. Um, or uh, my YouTube channel, Taj De Niro, uh, which is where the podcast and any other stuff that I just want to create goes, essentially. Amazing. Well, thank you again, Taj, for joining us on The Mainstream. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Mainstream Podcast with me, Ramel London. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review on Apple and Spotify and follow us at The Mainstream UK and at Ramel underscore London.